We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in everybody to now your Tuesday, March 14th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, joined by Corey Kennan. Obviously, Corey spent some time with us here at the OBR and now is managing editor at the Browns Wire, you know, well-known podcast guest on this show. Glad, glad to get Corey in to talk with him about a pretty busy day here. Corey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, Jake. I'm good. You know, again, it's, it's 1221 a.m. They just dropped a, a midnight signing on us, so it's a, it's a late night, but I'm hanging in there. You get into these these free agent tampering days and you want action. You like, you just, you're craving, you've been thinking about it for so long. You just want action of some kind. And the timing of it is never formulaic, right? It's, it's a little bit all over the place. I feel like this year more than any year I can remember, maybe, maybe I'm forgetting something, but it felt like teams got really afraid of, Hey, I probably shouldn't sign somebody at 1201 this year because the NFL has been pretty trigger happy with the uh, suspensions and, tampering issue so I think it was a little delayed because of that did you get that vibe too because I was like okay we're about a couple hours into this thing I think the teams are playing it really safe right now yeah I mean it was like 20 minutes in before they announced the TJ Edwards to the Bears signing which was the first non-re-sign that was announced so I think that's spot on again with the stuff with the I mean the Dolphins had some other stuff other than uh tampering but like Houston I mean the, the NFL is locking down on some of these things and taking picks away and finding teams so I think I think there's definitely some wisdom to that uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, 12 o'clock hit and I was like, I made sure I went to the bathroom beforehand. I had my, my, my seltzer water ready to go. had my lunch ready to go. I was like, all right, it's 12 o'clock. I'm ready to dive in. And it's like, all right, nothing yet. Nothing yet. And then we didn't, I didn't, we didn't get anything till Posick, which was, was probably, which was like at three 30 in the afternoon. So I, I sat there for two and a half hours, just or three and a half hours, just refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. But, uh, yeah, it was a long, long afternoon. Two, two big signings, though, that we're going to hit on. Uh, before we get to those new names that are being added, you just men- mentioned Ethan Posich. So the Browns' first piece of news is that they're bringing the center back. Uh, to be honest, if you have been paying attention to what I have said, I would prefer to have gone a different route. I thought, I continue to think, let me put it this way. And again, I think I'm, I'm saying, if you, if you listen to this pod, I'm saying something I, I say, sort of repeating myself leading up to these things, but that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. They have the best offensive line coach in football. Ethan Postage was a, a forgotten, inconsequential signing last year, and they turned him into the player that he was. I mean, there's no doubt he was no, nowhere near this. But I know you and I, Corbin, when we talked about watching his Seattle film, we're like, yikes. Like, I don't know how this guy plays. And he figured it out here. He did a great job when he was on the field. Now, he obviously missed some time how he comes back from that. Uh, it was not as effective when he came back, but again, coming back from injury in the NFL, it's sort of finicky. But like, I just thought that they could have used the seven million that they agreed to him with. It ended up being, I think, what three years, eighteen million, so six per. Um, I thought they could have used that in another way, but clearly they believe that Postich is is necessary, vital to this offensive line. They don't believe in. I mean, again, re-signing Postich to this kind of deal tells you they don't believe in Nick Harris coming back from the injury and being ready to go. 
uh, everything that comes with an ACL tear recovery and what it does to his body type, how he plays the position. So they commit a lot of money here to Posich in terms of like the center market, which has been pretty dead so far. So they commit six million per to him. I'm not complaining about like having a good player. I just thought they've invested guard, guard, tackle, a 10th pick in the left tackle. It's a lot of commitment to your offensive line. And at times last year, I think we could all agree they weren't very good. They are a really big stretch in the second half of the year where they just weren't getting it done. Now, some schematic stuff can help with that. I think we'll we'll see some of that relief hopefully coming this year. But I'm concerned about the level of commitment to the offensive line and like what they have to actually be to justify the amount of money they're spending on it. Again, I'm not complaining because Poches is fine. He's good. He He's clearly a guy they're comfortable with. So I'm not necessarily complaining. I'm just saying, you know, kind of analysis here. We're paid to do this. I would have gone a different route with that money and redirected it maybe towards a second defensive tackle that we're, we're unsure if we're going to see that. Talk about this later, but unsure if we're going to see that. But that certainly is money that I felt could have been allocated in other places and they could have figured it out, right? They could have figured out a cheap player at the position or developed one and taken advantage of one of the bigger advantages they have as a coaching staff, which is, you know, Bill Callahan, offensive line developer. I think that that's, it's just an interesting signing to me. And maybe it says more, Corey, maybe it says that Wyatt Teller's position here is, is, uh, you know, a little less secure than we think it is. He's a, he's trade bait, whatever, whatever. I'm not sure, but the poster deal is not something I love. I guess though, it does paint a pretty clear picture for us about their value of the player and you know the the a little bit of the mystery of where this group might go uh, either this year this offseason or next offseason. Yeah, I mean I need to see the guaranteed because it could be just, you know, a, a, a pseudo one-year deal uh where they could reassess next year and say, "Eh, we're we're good to go." You know, they could have just guaranteed 6 million dollars to him, which again for Posick, a guy who signed a vet minimum off of his rookie contract and never seen a had <laughs> never seen a a contract like that's his career earnings at this point. So, you know, that's good for him to, to double up on that and at least get that. But um, I, I guess the concern I would have is you mentioned the, the, the drop off from Posick was that due to coming back from injury or, or was that due to a transition to more gun run and more gun action stuff? Uh, if it's the latter, that's concerning. If it's the former, it's, you know, it's a little understandable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. But again, they were talking like the center market was going to be like $10 million for like the San Francisco guy and uh, Bozeman and Bradbury. Like these guys are going to get $10 million. So to come back and say uh, $6 million AP, APY, like, okay, I, I can live with that. Um, and again, I would, I would want to know how much is guaranteed of that 18. Um, the Teller stuff is interesting uh, I, I, because Teller's older than, than Posick uh, by a, a few months, uh, actually by a year and a few months. Um, but uh, and Teller's play in back-to-back seasons now is really dipped, really dipped. And if you look at the money these guards are getting, man, like Teller, what is he at? 12, 13 million. Like that's not a bad, that's not a bad contract for some team to take on. That's ready to win now. So, uh, and again, if we're, it would have to be post June one to happen if it's going to happen this year. Uh, yeah. because if you look at how the dead money's aligned, so it's not like, oh, we're going to get a, a draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft form, but the Browns have no fourth rounder of next year's draft. They've got another big gap of draft picks. They could look for something to add to next year's draft. Like that could be something that we can talk about. But, um, but again, I, I think that's a 2024 conversation uh, because again, Teller's contract is on the books. That's in the salary cap we're working with. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't do any good to, to try to trade him post June one. I don't think so. Um, the, I, I feel like the cap for, for 2023 is already pretty set. So, but once we get into 2024, I think we could see, you know, maybe a new center and a new right guard. Yeah, big big shuffling there is possible. Um, Bozeman, Bradley Bozeman, the only other player, he re-signed with the Panthers, 18 million over three years as well. So both centers uh, re-signed there. So, uh, again, I, I'm trying to keep up with these. These things move fast and furious. But, yeah, to your point about Teller, like Ben Powers went to the Broncos today, 52 over four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of all aligns. You could get – Wyatt Teller, if somebody really, really was craving him uh, at a number that is pretty, uh, you know, fairly decent for uh, a guard who is perceived. And and I think we would all agree that when Wyatt seems right, I mean, the data would tell us that he's slipped when he's been injured. I mean, I continue to say a part of being good in the NFL is being able to play pretty well when injured because you're often just going to be dinged up. But uh, he's not played well when injured, but when healthy, he's really good. And some team might be interested in the Browns still, like you just mentioned, still might be interested in keeping that no problem this year. I think the thing with postage, the only thing that scares me 
He's only put together one good year and it was a stretch of a year. So like, is this, I feel like most of the time the Browns have been with their own guys have been a bit more non-free agent signings when they've given them extensions. And this is not an extension. This is a re-signing. So it's a little different framework of when the decision can be made, but like they always kind of want to like, Hey, having a good year and then having another start to a good year before they do that sort of commitment. So this is a, this is a big faith signing, right? I think that's, the biggest thing we can take away from it is they have a lot of faith in this guy to give him that money. Cause right now that money is the top of the center free agent market and they did not want to lose him. So that probably tells you all you need to know about Nick coming back and Dawson Deaton and Yodi Froholt and some of the others that they have uh, internally have options uh, to either keep those guys around or whatever else. That part of it is uh, pretty, pretty telling. So uh, that's postage. The, the, the next big piece of news comes out and we've gotten more details over the course of the day, but, so the other big news is it trickles out a little bit later. Uh, not sure total the time frame here about, was it about four o'clock, four or five o'clock? The Browns go out and get Obani Okoronkwo out of Houston. And this was one that I feel like, Corey, most of Brown's Twitter was aligned on. We don't get aligned on many players, but it felt like through the course of people who I consider to be pretty smart, yourself, Jared, uh, T.A., uh, Cleve T.A. does a good job looking at numbers analysis. A lot of us were in on Okoronkwo, who's the only one, Jack Duffin, obviously Jack was was in on him last year, and I liked him last year, but I wasn't being all too vocal about it. He just fit. Like, I, I finally got around to his tape the other day, and I'm like, this is the top edge for me, for, for value, for number, for everything. The top edge that I think the Browns could go out and get, with that, that, again, is we're pushing for a better defensive tackle, but we still want something impactful at edge. Okoronko is a, is a really good number too, man. Three years, 19 mil, a chance to get up to 22. Some of the details Aaron Wilson put out got a little bit more granular. 22 and a half is the three-year total. So it's 12.49 guaranteed, five and a half million signing bonus. The, the base salaries are low, 1.08, 1.66. Those are guaranteed at signing. And then I think his third year one is pretty low too, but he's got some escalators, a $3 million sack bonus, all NFL base escalator for 25. 4.25 uh, guaranteed option bonus. So he's got some ways of getting there. I don't see this as a one-year and out sign, like a two-year and out. I think they think there's three good years of Okoronkwo here on this deal, and there's a lot to like here, man. So just kind of give me your immediate thoughts on him, what you like about him from watching him, uh, looking at the, the the dollar figure and how you think he fits into this group. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't argue with that $6 million a year figure that can, you know, can go up to 6.5, but like, that's a, that's a very attractive figure to a team that is going to need to be flexible with their cap space over the next coming years. Um, and that believes their window is now. So it is the next three years. So uh, I don't think there's any room to, to, to beat that. And I, when I wrote him up, I was like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting at the table again next year and trying to like, if, if Okoronko's agent says, Hey man, I'm not playing, he's not playing on $6 million next year. Like that's, that's, that's how much, like I believe they got in value in terms of what he's going to bring on the field playing opposite of a guy like Miles Garrett, um, uh, hopefully improved defensive line. Like again, he didn't start starting for the Texans until down the stretch as well. So like, and, and people will knock him because he was injured early in his career, but he's played 30 straight games. He hasn't missed a game since week four of 2021. So I don't think that's as big of an issue as people are making it out to be. Uh, I just think it's a home run signing, man. I, again, he's more of a designated pass rusher, which is fine. And I think he can give you really solid reps on early downs. So I think he will start on those early downs as well. But the Browns have never had just an, a second dynamic pass rusher across from Miles Garrett. They've always opted for kind of a bigger body, a big end who can set a strong edge. And I get the value in that. But, but now they have two dudes who can legit pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Uh, and I think there's a lot of value to that, especially for a team that runs a lot of nickel uh, in, a, in a conference, the AFC, where, where teams are playing a lot of 11 personnel. I think there's a lot of value to that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm head over heels for the signing. I, I, I don't know if there's a better signing. In, uh, again, there's some bias being a Browns fan and covering the Browns, but I, it's hard to find a better signing all around from fit to financials to longevity to talent than, than the Browns got with Okoronkoa. Yeah, look outside the Browns' realm of people who cover them, and that's where your answer is, right? Like, I always go, who are the independent trench study people? What do they think? They'll tell you if it's a bad deal. They'll tell you if they don't like a player. They'll tell you if the, if the, if the value's too high. 
you could trickle into some of the former team waters if you want. That's a little bit, uh, that's a little bit nefarious at times, but like, that's where you'll typically get your answer. And I really don't think people are wearing orange and brown goggles. Like this is not, this is not meant to be like, Okoronko is not an unbe- like a, an unbelievable football player. He's, he's just really good. I, I don't think that you need him to be some unbelievable talent. Cause obviously he would get, you know, a lot more money on the market if that was the case. But in terms of you want to get a player who you think is ascending. Now you mentioned he didn't start. They played a lot of Rasheem Green, Mario Addison, and then Jerry Hughes in Houston. An interesting rotation. I think they just sort of figured out as they got used to Okoronko. Now he was playing snaps. Not like he wasn't playing much. Like beginning of the year. I mean, week one he had 38 snaps. Like he's he's been around. Um, and I'm not sure if he got dinged up and that kind of limited him or something, or they just wanted to go more shuffling in and out. But, you know, his number of 517 snaps, by far the most in his career, his first three years with L.A., and again, an odd front system, a little different, 115, 181, and then 314 before they moved on. He started to figure some things out. His second and third year, he put up 21 pressures in each season. And then last year, you could you could really just see it all come together as as – Again, a, I think a pretty complete football player. 36 tackles, uh, sorry, 36 pressures, five sacks, six quarterback hits, 31 tackles total, um, only missed four. He had 27 stop plays. So I, I really like him, man. And he plays, yeah, he's not listed uh, as a very big player, right? He's 6'2", 253. You're, you're talking about clownies in the 260s, 270s, 6'5", right? These are There's bigger, longer types here, but... I think Okoronkwo in, in, in the course of his first four years, now into his fifth year, to me, Corey, seems like a player who understands how to win. Like, as a pass rusher and as a run defender, I think he plays with a lot more power than people give him credit for. He's got a really gnarly inside spin move, and I think he started to do a nice job of some push-pull stuff to turn the corner uh, as, as, again, a hand-down uh, rusher, which is different for him than when he was with LA. So I think you should be excited about this signing. I think continuing to see a guy step, I don't think he's going to be an 800 snap player for the Browns and they shouldn't want that. He should be around the 650 number. Maybe they go get another edge. They draft an important edge, a young player who they think can be a nice player for them. And then he's getting around that 650 number. You can't forget about Alex right here. That 650 number feels about right to me. And if you can get 650 good snaps from him, can you get the f- upwards of 40 pressures? Can you get upwards of seven or eight sacks? That's the stuff I think you can find here, Corey. So again, I like to see players who I feel like know who they are. They're ascending players. They have been getting better and better. They're not over the physical bump, right? They're not trending downward as an athlete. And I don't see any of that from Okoronkwo. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I can't give it more than a 10 out of 10. Like I just, it was kind of cool to see it all come together. We did this probability scale over at the OBR where we put together from analytics to, to salary cap analysis to film room, kind of graded all three categories. And he was the only one for us. You know, Jack, Jack is, as you know, Corey, pretty rigid with the salary cap stuff. And this is the only one that we got a nine collectively out of 10 and over nine, a 9.5 out of 10 on our little grading scale. Uh, for a high probability Browns pursuit. So I just think it's a really good one, man, a really good uh, situation for Okoronkwo coming into the talent. He'll be the, you know, with Tomlinson added, who we're going to talk about here in a second. And then, you know, Miles, as far as a collective, like top two talents, it's going to be a lot like LA, but he's going to be a bigger contributor. You know, LA had Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and they had, they had pieces. So like, it's not like he's not played on talented D lines, but I think he's just got a chance to get a bunch of one-on-one matchups in both phases and he bullies tight ends. So if teams are going to try to put a tight end on him blocking down, like I just think he's going to be a really nice football player here. I don't really know if there's anything else you want to add to that, but uh, I'll put up a film room. I know I'm sure you'll do something over there on your end as well. Just a lot of tools to be excited about. And again, not playing a ton early in his career. Cause I, just, I felt like there was a lot of from watching some of his LA tape. He just didn't really know what he was doing. Like a very raw player who hadn't quite figured it out. And then I thought you could see in 21, he started to, to really get a feel for, okay, here's how I need to handle down blocks. Here's how I need to handle setting the edge. These are actual pieces of pass rush plans that I can use to be pretty effective. And it all came together late in that year. And it came together to an even higher level late in 2022, you know? 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think the only thing that I would add on top of that is I, I know a couple people who are pretty plugged into the Oklahoma uh, Sooners program um, mm-hmm. down in Norman. Uh, and you, you know, you, you know who they are, you, you talk to the same people, but, uh, they have nothing but to say, but glowing things about this guy. He's the, one of the highest character guys, uh, on that 2017 team that, that made a run. Um, and so I, I think that's just another nice locker room piece to add as well, um, to a team that desperately, uh, especially at the defensive end position needed, uh, to get the taste out of their mouth. So, um, very excited about Oconquo or, uh, Okoronkwo. Jeez. Yeah, we're gonna botch that name a lot. It's gonna happen, but but he is uh he's fun, man. He's really fun, and he's got the Nigerian descent stuff, which I think that, like is gonna bond well with some of the players on the roster. Those guys share some bonds. I know JOK was really excited uh, to get to 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 see the news. Like, it's just a fun player. He's a really fun player and a fun talent. I hope he continues to trend upward here because he's again he fits every box that they need. Check not to say that. Like if you could get, and I kind of said this the other day, and I and I don't think you were doing this, Corey, but sometimes we forget how good Clowney was that first year. You know, he was fifty three pressures, eleven sacks, like twenty six stop plays. Can you get a version of that? This is my dream, Corey. Like first year of Clowney was six hundred and seventy seven snaps. That to me is like the peak of what I would Okoronkwo playing. Um, that fifty three pressures. I don't the, the sacks are unpredictable we all know that so i like 11 sacks is and, and clowny got a lot of sacks that landed in his lap but like that 53 pressure number upwards of six seven eight nine sacks like that's a very very attainable number for him with solid run defense layered on top of that can he can he replicate a lot of what we saw in clowny in 2021 i think that's the question right and i, I think there's Plenty of potential to do that. I think so. You know, a million or a sack per million dollars. So can you get six sacks a season? I think that that makes it worth your contract. Um, you know, Jadavian Clowney that first year did it when on that that I think he was on like a twelve million dollar contract that first year. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he got close, but uh, not not anywhere near that this past year. So uh, again, we've talked a little bit off air about like, well, how does it? You know, they usually do go big end opposite Miles. Well, Miles play big end on rundowns, things like that. That you know they could put Okoronkwo at, at wide nine on early downs, things like that. They still, I think, they have a plan for. They wouldn't go do a. I mean, I guess maybe they would. They did John Johnson without having a plan, but. Um, I would hope they would learn their lesson. They would have a plan for how they want to use this guy. Um, but again, I think a sack per million dollars is a really good barometer for, uh, did we get the worth out of Okoronkwo and his contract? Something to also pay attention to is usage stuff. And like they, if you go look at his pro football focus page, uh, the, the stuff that you like to see is he's been pretty consistently outside. Like, he hasn't had to move off of a spot. He's just gotten better at where he's supposed to play. And I think that there's a level from that Oklahoma defense from back when he was playing, which was a little unique. I'm sure you would agree him getting more and more comfortable as an outside bending edge rusher all the time. And a guy who, again, has to learn you're, you're playing big 12 football back when he was playing big 12 football in the 2015 to 2018 range. And, and again, I don't think I'm saying something you, you probably haven't heard, but like, that's the unique forms of offense going on in the Big 12. Learning how to play edge at the NFL level is different. You got to do a lot more of the nitty gritty, dirty stuff. And we're seeing some of that with Perry on Winfrey last year. We'll see if he begins to learn and adjust this year. But again, I think the learning curve is very easy to understand and explain here. So excited about Okoronkwo. The next signing's a late one, man. We we didn't um we didn't I don't know if I was unexpected. I thought they could sign somebody late, but I kind of had put it to bed for the night. But they go sign Dalvin Tomlinson. And now what's interesting about Dalvin Tomlinson's situation is I think we have to address the bigger picture, Corey. They were in from Adam Schefter. It was the Browns or 49ers for Javon Hargrave, okay, who ends up being about a 20 million year player. They were in on Draymond Jones, who ends up going to Seattle for about 17 a year. And then it comes out about a couple hours later that they end up signing Dalvin Tomlinson. So I think it's pretty clear their pecking order was in place. So you can look at this in one of two ways. They missed on the two they wanted and landed with Dalvin Tomlinson. That doesn't mean it's a bad signing. It, 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 it could ultimately really work out. But when you, I think when we analyze these things, what I'm trying to say, Corey, is like we forget 
we look at just who they landed and we forget to consider who they're publicly out there pursuing. And if, for example, putting the cart way out in front of the horse, the Tomlinson situation doesn't work out, doesn't do as well as we hoped here, which I don't think that will be the case as anybody when they're talking about a player, the Browns sign, you don't want to look at the negative of it, but like they were in on Hargrave and they were in on Jones. So I think the thing I'm trying to say is they clearly knew they had to address defensive tackle and they're chasing the best talents on the market. Who knows whether this will work out. You could look at this in two years and feel like, man, they saved themselves. Hargrave never performed up to that contract. Draymond Jones didn't get better. And Tomlinson really was a steady performer for two, three years here. That worked out so well. But again, the Browns might not have wanted that. They were clearly all in on Hargrave and they were chasing Jones and like they might not have preferred it, but it worked out that way. The same way for if, if Talvin, uh, if Dalvin Tomlinson underperforms and say Draymond Jones, who's younger, 26 continues to get better and better. And it's like, well, you know, you can be mad at that Tomlinson signing, but they were really chasing Draymond Jones and they were chasing Hargrave. So I, I guess moral of the story here is free agency's wild. It's like, you know, we want to believe that the player they signed is always going to work out. Maybe it does come to work out in that regard, but I think, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know right now. Uh, we, and I'm, I'm not saying anything that's very you know, sophisticated here. It's just it's clear that Tomlinson is the third choice, or they would have signed him earlier today. And it's also clear that there has to be a pecking order that these players know on the back end where they're like, you know, hey, I, I understand that you know it's probably going to be Javon, then Draymond's going to get his deal, and then they'll come to me as the third guy. I don't know if that's well-known like behind the scenes, but it's just funny that those two sign, the Browns are out, and then boom, signing Dalvin Tomlinson right right you know before the midnight strike here and it's like okay they were pretty clearly in on all these guys they're chasing DT so what do we take away from that they knew they had to fix it and they knew they needed to fix it with somebody who could play a lot of snaps who could be effective in both phases uh, they prefer pass rushers clearly because J- Javon Hargrave and Draymond Jones are not notably really really good run def- and not even I think they're pretty average to below average run defenders, more pass rush specialists uh, in terms of what they're best at. Hargrave, or sorry, Tomlinson's a little more in the middle. He's not a liability against the pass, but he's known for being able to handle, anchor, stabilize interior of run defenses. So again, maybe this just works out really well for them because Tomlinson is a mixture of really what they need. They need somebody who knows how to eat a double team, split a double team, take on two, keep your linebackers free. He knows how to do that. He knows how to shock shed, get people off of him. It's it's littered all over his tape. They might end up getting more from that than they might've gotten from Draymond Jones. But I think again, the bigger piece that we're taking away from this is they were hungry for defensive tackle, Corey. They were pursuing a bunch of people, man. And like, I don't think it's in any way deniable that they, they, they are taking big swings and I don't know what else it means for anybody else. They sign here, but it was clear that they knew they, they had a very pointed issue and they were going to spend well over 10 million on a player to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I honestly, I love it more than paying 20 million. Like again, when we were talking about, uh, uh, I'm not even gonna try it. Uh, Obo, his contract. Uh, again, I said a sack per, from per million. And that, you know, that's more attainable for an edge rusher than it is for a defensive tackle. But like, I, what does a defensive tackle have to do to live up to a $20 million contract? Like be Aaron Donald. Like the, the, And so that's where my mind goes. And so like, and maybe the standards are getting shifted as the salary cap raises and as the market increases. But man, I am more in love with with getting Dalvin Tomlinson at fourteen at fourteen and a quarter than I am at getting Hargrave at twenty two or Jones at you know twenty one or whatever he got. Like I am way more okay with this um, because again, I don't think the drop off from I, I think Hargrave is you're pretty clear. Like yeah, this is the best defensive tackle on the market. But I don't think the drop off from Jones to, to Tomlinson is $7 million worth, like $6 million worth. I, I, so I think the Browns got a, a pretty good deal. Again, I was a little shocked. Maybe they, they spent over $10 million, especially after those first two, obviously, much better pass rushers got off the board. Um, but again, Tomlinson's much better against the run, and he's not your one tech. And I think that's where I'm starting to see some misconceptions. People are like, oh, this is Jim Schwartz got his one tech. This is the Browns nose tackle. They haven't had it in so long, but like, Looking at his splits, he played in, in the, over the A-gap only 35 snaps all last year. So, like, 
this yeah. guy's not your one tech, man. This is your three tech, uh, which makes me think they're not done. You know, uh, the past two years, he's played about 100 snaps combined uh, in, in the A gap. So uh, compared to a thousand snaps in the B gap. So this is your three tech. Um, I, I just like him because he's more overall sturdy. Like, again, we talk about Hargrave. We talk about Jones. Yes, the pass rush upside is there. Like, it's there. I get it. Uh, especially as your three tech for Jim Schwartz. Like, he he wants a dominant uh, pass rushing defensive tackle. But Tomlinson's not a slouch there. And, and he's a much, much, much better run defender than, than those other two. So I just think the Browns got an all-around sturdy player for an all-around sturdy price. Like, they didn't get up to the 20 million and they didn't get a flashy player, but they got a sturdy player at a sturdy price. Yeah. Here's the snap count numbers year over year since he's, since his rookie year with the giants, he's six years deep in the NFL, 588, 628, 595, 658, 641, 604. It's insanely consistent. Here's his grades uh, overall. And again, I don't think grades are the end all be all here, but a part of the puzzle, 81, 76, 78, 75, 74, 77. It's insane consistency. I mean, and again, his run defense grades have dipped over time. And if you look at why, well, three tech defender, a little harder to play the run and get, uh, you know, some of the pop plays you do as an interior guy, more of a, of a shade, the disruption you have over somebody snapping the football between their legs. Like that's just common sense to me. But what has gone up, Corey, his pass rush grade, because you can get more advantageous matchups playing the outside shoulder of a guard than you can dealing with more double teams as an A-gap defender. So I think there's a natural trade-off there. So his, you know, looking at his his early career pressure numbers, 13, 18, 14, last three years, 28, 21, 30, right? Everything's gone up in the pass rush department, but he's also still played, in my opinion, some excellent run defense. He's consistently been at the stop number. Like he's beacon of consistency here is why the Browns had to be drawn to him. And maybe they were less in on Jones than we understand. And they had thresholds for even Javon Hargrave that they weren't going to cross because they knew we could always fall back to Dalvin Tomlinson and give him a number that's going to work. Stop tackles since his rookie year, 26, 27, 26, 26, 21, 26. Insanely consistent football player for what you're expecting out of him. And I think the Browns are really excited. They should be. And I'm sure we, I mean, I am about what they have here. So the thing that's going to be interesting to your point, Corey, which is very well articulated, where's he going to play, right? He's got fantastic Giants tape playing a gap shade. Like he can, he can do that. He had, you know, 222, 252, 287 playing that position and graded out really well doing it, doing some really phenomenal things inside. Now he's also in the last two years, 493, 459 as a three tech or sometimes four I, they would move him, you know, some of those wider packages the Vikings would do. He'd even bump out a little bit wider. He sometimes got inside and still has that a gap powerful football players there. The beautiful part of this is he has experience doing both. So if they sign or draft somebody, say they go get a Sean Robinson, Corey, We'll talk about players we're interested in just a minute. He's a three tech, right? Say they end up not signing anybody else. They go out and draft a guy who's more of a pass rush than run defender. And I think most rookies, and this is my opinion, who come in to play defensive tackle are are better equipped to defend the pass, rush the passer, than man, they got to take on all those double teams and handle all this stuff that's really, it's a bitch to defend run game in the NFL when you come from college because of the level of skill of the opposing offensive lineman and dealing with two of them so often up front. So if you, if you end up drafting a Keanu Benton type, right. Or somebody of that nature, you got a real chance to have somebody come in and be an effective pass rusher next to him and his ability to defend the run and not just play his gap, but he's outside of his gap playing other gaps because he's a disruptor gives you a chance to be a better run defense in general, but also can give a rookie a real chance to feel more comfortable and not writing off Perrion Winfrey in any any way, shape, or form, a chance for him to get better. So consistent snap numbers, flexibility to play both positions. I start to lean toward you being right, Corey, more three tech than shade, but it could go either way. And if they want to get really diverse with their pass rush, they could align them in both spots various times. We could see a mixture of the two. And the good part is, unlike John Johnson that we discussed again, recent examples of the Browns playing somebody out of position, there's good numbers for both positions for him here. So it's just a matter of what they want from him. And I envision, as you're saying, a desire for him to keep being a, a, a leveling up disruptor. And I'm sure that that's a part of what, uh, you know, Tomlinson talked to them about upon negotiating his contract is really wanting to do more of the things he was doing with Minnesota to pursue the quarterback a bit more and play from an advantageous rush uh, rush spot. And there's upside in both phases. So it could work out, man. Could work out that they they didn't budge on Draymond. They didn't budge on Hargrave 
or maybe they were at the number for Hargrave and Hargrave just picked someone else. It feels like Draymond, there was a little bit more of a hard line in the sand about what they were going to ultimately pay. But like, I think we should be excited about Tomlinson. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited here. And I'm really looking forward to who they pair him with, man. What do you think? Talking about Draymond, once it comes down to that, Seattle was willing to pay him $24 million in year one. Like, okay, that takes the Browns off the table. Like if that's really what he wants, but that's not tenable. Like that's, that's not tenable. So, um, but I do think they, they they had something in place with Hargrave, and he just said, ah, I'd probably San Fran, which, you know, if you're choosing between two places, <laughs> the West Coast or Cleveland, I, I kind of get that as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I tend to think that he's the three-tech. Um, and this is probably a little bit reductionist, but I, I don't think they're paying a nose tackle $14 million a year, 14 and a quarter million dollars a year. Um, yeah. They want a guy who can make a little more of an impact against the pass than than uh, uh, one tech is going to be able to. So I do think that one tech is probably still out there on the market. Um, and again, you, you said, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I do think that that Tomlinson is that three tech. And, and again, he's not going to give you the, the pass rush flash, the pass rush upside that a hard or Jones, but he's going to, he's still going to, he's got heavy, heavy hands, man. Like he's going to yeah, push guards. He, he puts a nasty club in play, like yeah, his man. club to knock people off and the push pull he can do is, is deadly. Yeah. So, I mean, at the very least, he's going to push pockets. Uh, he's going to create gaps for linebackers to sneak through. He's going to he's going to make life easier on Miles Garrett, which life has been anything but easy on that dude over the past three years. So um, an ultimate floor raising move at a price that isn't overly exhausting for a floor raiser. Uh, and, and that's still probably short shortcoming his his ceiling a little bit because he is a good player against the pass. He is a good player against the run. So, uh, again, I said a sturdy player at a sturdy price, and that's probably where I'm going to end this as well. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like the Browns only sign veteran defensive tackles out of Minnesota. So that's the uh, trend to pay attention to. We're all about finding trends in Browns free agent and draft decisions. Well, did the guy play in Minnesota? Well, if he didn't, then probably move on. I'm just kidding. But that's an interesting little trend there with Sheldon Richardson. So to your point, I think it's uh, very fair. Three tech is probably what you're paying him to do. There's plenty of uh, draftable options, uh, more more viable, affordable draft options to play uh, a little bit more of that inside shade and certainly free agent value is found uh, at that shade position as well. So we will touch on those things in just a minute. Cause we're going to come back and talk about what we think we need to see the Browns still fill in free agency in the coming days. And then kind of just have a very brief discussion about the draft. Cause you know, I can't bring Corey on without talking about the draft. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Clear positions of need, Corey. Safety sitting there. Uh, I did not see much about them as public as a lot of the stuff was about these defensive tackles and the Browns being connected to them. I did not see much with the Jesse Bates connection. Um, Those are the two safeties. Jesse Bates and Von Bell are the only two that go, unless I'm missing something. Something could have passed me by. I I think Epps actually also went to the Raiders. Epps landed a deal too, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard the Browns connected to any of them. So I'm not sure who they're interested in at that position, but we'll see. I mean, I have to imagine they're looking to fill that before the draft. They, they, They don't want to go into this safety class like, being desperate trust us so um safety i think we can definitely say one more defensive lineman is firmly in play whether that's a cheaper shade or another movable defensive end i think that one would be interesting a guy who can play inside and out some names out there that we could talk about those two positions stand out and then probably a sneaky position of interest is is linebacker i think that would probably be one that you know with anthony walker sitting out there and really the weird the really weird deals 
uh, for these linebackers, like the mixture of values where you see like, you know, David Long going for two years, 11 million. You see TJ Edwards being cheap. Then you see Tremaine Edmonds going for 50 guaranteed. It was kind of strange. So it feels like there's value still to be had at linebacker. We'll start at safety. Um, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson still out there, Juan Thornhill, among many others. I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Where, where are you eyeing with that? And kind of where are you thinking they spend uh, from, a, from an average per year number on that position? Yeah, I'm going to stick with defensive tackle, man. I, I really don't think they're done there. Um, and you mentioned Demarcus Walker going for, what did you say? It was two years, 14 um, I think he ended up going at seven, which was a lot more than people projected for him. So when they reported his market was 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 hot the other day, they weren't kidding. Yeah, and so I'm going to stick with the same kind of mold, uh, and I'm going to say Sheldon Rankins about that same price. You know, you know, with not spending 21 on on Jones or 22 on Hargrave, I think they they might have an extra six seven million dollars to to keep spending at defensive tackle. Uh, and and the name I'm going to throw out is Sheldon Rankins, and and the reason that I'm comparing him to to Demarcus Walker a little bit is his snap count. Man, he played over the tackle more than he played over the D gap. So I think he can do some of that big end stuff that you know we were talking about Demarcus Walker being able to do. Uh, because you know if Okoronkwo isn't a guy that's going to be able to set a strong edge, and he is more of a guy that that needs to play wide nine, they're going to need a big end. And and I think they still like Alex Wright to do that, but I think you want him to be more of a rotational player in year two after. Uh, I think he wasn't really given the best chance to succeed in year one, and he probably needs to boost some confidence, and you can't just bank on him being a, a, a player in year two. Um, I, you know, Sheldon Rankins played 274 snaps over the tackle, 241 of the B gap, 34 over the A gap. I think I think that's a player who can do some of that big end stuff that we kind of liked with Demarcus Walker a little bit. Um, so I, I think I'd probably stick there. But I'm also inclined to say, I you know, I might take some, you know, six, $7 million and and make a run at a, at a young linebacker like Aziz Alshair um, is, a, is a name that I've mentioned a lot from, from San Francisco. I, I think I'm more, you know, I'm inclined to maybe do something like that. But um, again, I think they also could still do the safety market. wasn't as hot as, as, as people were saying, you know, Jesse Bates didn't get the make a contract. He came in at 15 or $16 million. So I think, I think you could get a guy like Juan Thornhill for, for fairly cheap. I think you could get a guy like Chauncey Garner Johnson for 11 and a half, $12 million a year. So I think there's different avenues they could take, but I think I'm still drawn to, to the interior for now. Yeah. Well, we have to sort of delineate here when we talked about the safety stuff is just sort of meshing what they're looking for, whether they're looking for, a post guy or whether they're looking for more of what Tennessee did with that interchangeable stuff, right? Where they can have a guy roll up and roll back and two guys who can do both of those roles. And Grand Delpit can, he is certainly an experienced football player uh, playing single high, not as much in the NFL, but when he's done it, he's been fine. And certainly his LSU days were pretty riddled with that uh, on tape. So it's just a matter of like what they're looking to pair up because what's out there, if we go through, safety real quick because I think that's the biggest sort of gaping hole here I mean obviously Jordan Poyer's still out there don't envision that happening but he's still out there Chauncey Gardner-Johnson again a completely adjustable type Uh, I think Jimmy Ward was gone today as well I should have mentioned him earlier Julian Love's still out there Taylor Rapp talked about Thornhill he'd be a great fit Donovan Wilson a little under the radar from Dallas Adrian Amos Rodney McLeod obviously very well connected to uh, you know, Jim Schwartz from his Philadelphia days now much older. He's going to be 33 this year, but there is a heavy connection there for a cheap price. Duran Harmon also now it appears that Las Vegas has moved on uh, to, to pay Epps at Harmon uh, had a really nice year. Uh, again, he'll be 32 this year. So he's older, but again, what are you looking for? Uh, you can't pay every position a ton of money. Harmon would be interesting to me. Nasir Adderley again, younger player, only 25 set to turn 26 at the turn of the year some free safety experience. He's interesting. Another name that hasn't been talked about, and I haven't talked about it enough, is Ryan Neal uh, from, from out in Seattle. A really interesting player was a UDFA, ends up in Seattle after uh, originally, I think, uh, came into the league via Philadelphia. But if you look at his increase over time, he had a really good year for that Seattle defense last year and played 362 snaps in the box, 236 at free safety, and 118 in the slot with a really stellar coverage grade. So, I mean, just like under the radar types that could be of interest uh, at, at that position is another one. So there's a lot of options of safety to your point, Corey. I don't think they're going to spend much on it uh, in, in, in and of itself. Like it's not going to be a really heavy number. I think Thornhill stands out as one that most people would recognize and feel good about, but there are a lot of names. You tend to think that they're going to go one more defensive lineman. Sheldon Rankins is interesting to me. Certainly 
Um, you talked about that. I mean, there's many ways they could go. If they wanted to get a one tech, Ashawn, Greg Gaines uh, is out there available uh, at that spot as well. Again, if you want to look at just edge guys or sorry, interior guys, maybe you're looking to pair. You want more of a pass rushing type of interior. Not a ton of those guys left, as you would probably presume. There wouldn't be a ton of those guys left. Uh, Matt Ioannidis is interesting, but again, I don't think he's more of the pass rush specialist. Morgan Fox had 40 pressures last year out in L.A. Interesting, 11.2 pressure rate. So if they're looking to gain, just we want bodies there. We want to be able to uh, rotate in and out. That's an interesting one. As far as edge guys go, we'll kind of clean up here, and then I want to ask you a question about offense, Corey. Uh, edge defenders that are still, I mean, there's a lot of edge guys that are still out there. Did you see if um, Fowler, Dante Fowler ended up signing back with the Cowboys? I saw there was some, some, some buzz there, but I don't, I don't know if that actually came to fruition. I didn't see that he actually signed. I did see that they, they are interested in bringing him back, but I don't think yeah, they officially yeah. did anything. Got it. As far as like a rotational edge guy is going to be 29 this year, cheap contract, maybe down as low as 3 million, his speed to pressure percentage was crazy like if you're looking a pass rush specialist that could be a fun one but there's a lot of guys man that if you're talking cheap one-year flyers that are your tack mckinley types your um adrian claiborne types like bud dupree is at one year two five carlos dunlap one year three um you know there's just there's so there's so many that could just come in and be a one-year rotational piece you know, you could go veteran Ingram or Houston. I, I I don't know how deep they want to go here. And I obviously think they're going to be interested in drafting some people, but boy, there are a lot of interesting options for them if they want to build there. The question about offense comes down to wide receiver and tight end, Corey. They have done nothing. Uh, sorry, the NFL market had some tight end movement today. Like Josh Oliver was signed among some others that I was like, I don't want any part of this tight end number stuff here because this is crazy. I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Uh, tight ends like Andrew Beck was signed for the Texans six year six and uh, six seventy five over two six point seven five over two like Josh Oliver went to the Vikings for twenty one million seven and a half years a year yeah it was it's bananas yeah like Chris Manhurts goes to the Broncos for six mil over two like I just kind of don't want much to do with that market at tight end I would much rather draft a late athletic type to sort of pair with Harrison Bryant in any sort of twelve personnel decision or whatever I don't have a giant, and it's a deep tight end class. Like I just don't feel this need to sign a tight end. I'll let you answer whether you're interested in tight end at all. And then there are zero movement on what we already know is a bad wide receiver free agent class, but there was zero movement today. Are you surprised by that? No, because it's a bad class. And I think, um, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit, I mean, teams, Christian Kirk got $17 million in free agency last year, which everybody mocked and it turned out to be a great signing for the Jaguars. But, um, because I don't think last year's free agency class to wide receiver was, was great either. But no, I'm not super shocked. Uh, again, the top name is probably DJ Chark. So um, no, not. I, I think the Browns could still dabble on a guy on like a one-year $3 million deal or one-year $4 million deal, something like that at wide receiver. But I don't see them going after DeAndre Hopkins. I don't see them going after an Adam Thielen. I don't see them going after like one of those bigger named wide receivers. Um, but I could see them like a guy who has a role uh, and, and can – can maybe create lightning in a bottle with the ball in their hands a little bit. But um, so, you know, guys like Paris Campbell, something like that. But I, I think the question they're faced with then is, you know, they have Jalen Darden on two years of a rookie deal. What can Paris Campbell do that, that Jalen Darden can't Paris Campbell's average depth of target is terrible. Uh, Paris Campbell can't stay healthy. So like there are some things I'm just really not interested in uh, if there's like, yeah, but so we have somebody who can do that role on a cheap rookie deal right now. So not a lot that I'm like really thrilled with out there right now. The maximum number for me still is like, again, Pro Football Focus had some really good hits today, like Jesse Bates in terms of value projections, and then had some some weird ones with linebacker, um, which, again, you made a great point about, Alsha here. There's also uh, Walker still sitting there. There's a lot of names in that back end of the linebacker room that they could end up looking to plug. I do expect them to sign a linebacker. But Darius Slayton's projection of two years, 10 million, five mil average per year, 6.25 guaranteed. That's one of the few names that I'm moderately interested in if they if they feel like they absolutely have to go wide receiver. But again, it feels a bit duplication-like in, in a lot of ways. So, and I'm still not all in on like a Nicole Hardman. I, I just don't, I don't have this burning need for it. So I, I, I remain um, hopeful that they don't dip into this 
wide receiver market via free agency. I just don't have, it's just not, it's not a bunch of appeal here. And that kind of takes us to the draft. I mean, I continue to think there's only two positions at play at 42. Now, whether they move back 10, 15 slots, I still think there's only two positions at play and that's wide receiver and edge. Uh, I, I don't looking at players, values, alignments. I just don't see defensive tackle or safety. I guess if they whiff on safety, Corey, and they don't really bring anybody in, they might get hungry if they slide back a little bit from 42 or if the right guy that they love is there at 42. But I have a hard time seeing that. I really think it's those two two spots, even after today's movement. Do you agree with that? Or uh, where are you sitting looking at the draft now? I, I know we're, geez, man, we're only a month and a half out from that thing. Uh, yeah, you know where I've been. I've been a wide receiver at 42 for a very long time. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I Again, I listened to your pod uh, the other day about, like, you're pretty certain the Browns are, are going to trade out. Like, I'm, I'm pretty certain the Browns are going to trade out, too. I think there has to be a special player there at 42 for them to want to take, a B.J. Ojolari. You know, if they don't feel like Josh Downs would be there if they traded back and they really wanted Josh Downs. But, you know, I, I think they could trade back into the 50s and a guy like Tyler Scott from a G5 school, as explosive as he is. Like, there's still a little bit of a stigma there. Like, he, he could probably still be there in, you know, maybe the mid-50s. Um, so, I... I do think they're probably going to trade out, but in, in talking about a second round pick, like, yeah, it's, it's edge or wide receiver. Pretty, pretty firmly there. Now we'll see if things move. They can make a trade. They could do a bunch of crazy stuff between now and the draft that could alter that. But looking at strengths of the class and where they're picking and where they could potentially move to, those are the spots that seem still the most obvious to us. So, and again, they're premium positions too. And that's what they like to draft are those premium positions. So we will, Certainly continue to check out that evolving situation uh, with the draft. But for now, we're having fun with free agency. A lot of stuff here on who they signed, who we think they still could sign, and hopefully you enjoyed it. This was a good uh, 50 minutes or so of conversation. And, um, you know, we're always thankful to Corey for coming in and, and giving us some of his, his time. And uh, make sure you go over and read all of his fantastic stuff over at Brownswire as well. We appreciate you, Corey. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, Jake. For Corey, for myself, thanks for being here. I uh, appreciate you guys stopping by, obviously, uh, on this Tuesday, whenever you listen to this. Hopefully we get some more Browns news and free agency. Should be a fun day, fun week, uh, figuring out some of the, the, the little bit lower value signings uh, movement that they could, they could make happen here. So for myself, for Corey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you very much. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. We appreciate you guys stopping by. Go Browns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.